Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to let you guys know about the Root Cause program, which is going live this week. Basically, I have a couple ways of working with women and you know that you can access all my free content through my podcast, which is awesome, through Instagram. Um, There's lots on my website as well. And many of you have also done the Gut Health Solution, which is your six-week program to get you to a healthier, happier gut, identify your trigger foods and start to rebuild and repair your gut lining. So if you haven't gone and have a look at that, jump over, have a squeeze because it could be the perfect option for you in starting to make those essential changes to your gut. And it's had to complete upgrade. So it will be lots of fun. There's a live Facebook group. There's weekly calls. You get the step-by-step process you need to rebuild and repair your gut lining. But for those who want to get a little bit deeper and want to do some functional testing, the Root Cause program is basically the way I work one-on-one with women, but also with the group support as well, because we know how much you need community to heal and to change and to see, you know, those long-term results. So you still get the one-on-one with me and you still get access to your functional testing, but we also have modules where you can access the information. So it's easy, it's great to see, it's all outlined there, you different diets, your different recipes, depending on what is going on with your gut, as well as a supportive community to access as well. So if you're tired of guessing, if you want to get to the root cause, if you want to run some functional testing, and want to know exactly what's going on with your gut lining, please reach out, jump over, have a look at the root cause program. And I'm super excited to see you in there. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Emily. So Emily Banks is from the Acne and Eczema Clinic. And Emily identifies herself, for better use of the word, as a Thermomix convert, which I love and I'm all for. Um, A lover of glittery nail polish and also her strong passions of helping people all over the world, which is amazing get clearer skin from within. So Em has over 10 years experience behind her, which is just incredible and also runs the acne and eczema clinic. So since then she's developed the clear skin formula, which I'm sure she will tell us about today, which addresses all those foundations of healthy skin. So Em, thank you so much for being here. And yeah, it's just a privilege to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Love what you're doing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, about your story and why you do what you do. Because like every health practitioner, there's a driver, whether it's yourself, whether it's someone else, what mm-hmm. brought you to yeah, open the Acne and Eczema Clinic? Yeah. Um, well, I have been practicing as a naturopath for a while. <laughs> um, and m- most of my career, I suppose the first like 
five, seven years was really just general practice, like just treating anything and everything, had special interest areas around like thyroid and gut health and stuff like that, but just operated a general clinic. Um, I expanded that uh, and made quite a large multimodality clinic. Um, And through that, I suppose I'd just been treating so many different things. Um, I worked with two patients that changed my life (laughs) and I changed that. Yeah. So um, firstly, I worked with a little toddler um, and she had eczema on the face. She had secondary skin infections occurring as well. Um, The mother was, you know, doing the best she could, but didn't really know what to do. Um, And I worked with them really closely and her skin completely changed. Um, We revealed, you know, a lot around there were food allergy and things like that occurring as well. Um, But I still treat her every maybe six months we we check in and she still takes all her stuff um, because she's got that, you know, that massive predisposition, so needs the longer support. But um, that really changed my life because seeing the quality of her life change um, as a toddler and appreciating, I guess, that they they can't really tell you what's going on. So as the parent, I think there's also this, you know, this gap of why is my kid upset? What can I do? I, I am using steroid creams. Maybe I don't want to, like feeling so lost on that path. And being able to help her mom and help her was really life-changing for me because I also know that we completely changed the trajectory of what her health looks like in the long term. She's not reliant on steroid creams. They don't use them at all. Like it's completely managed through environmental um, and topical support and a little bit of internal support with her gut health. Um, So that got me really interested specifically in babies and treating, you know, treating the eczema as soon as it shows up. Um, because we can change so much about someone's life. I do treat, obviously, people with eczema of all ages, but generally by the time you're an adult with eczema, you've got a pretty complicated medical history. And I think it's just beautiful to get in there young and really change what their life experience is. Um, With acne, I actually, I treated a couple of patients with it and really enjoyed working with them. Um, but I think I suppose as, as clinicians, we all have that like Mount Everest that we have to cross before we are comfortable to stand on top and be like, Hey, (laughs) I know the way. So, um, for me, even though I'd helped, you know, several people with their skin and gotten good results, um, my sister, she's a little bit older than me and she had acne like since she was a teenager, classic story, been on the pill for 10, 13 years, um, tried to come off, post-bill acne, went back on, tried to get help through GPs, naturopaths, et cetera, never really got very far. Um, went and saw a GP who advertised themselves as being integrative. Um, and this GP made her cry because she was like, you have to go back on the pill. How could you let your skin get this bad? And after that experience and, um, you know, witnessing all of that as well because we were living together at the time yeah um I I decided all right I need to help her (laughs) um but I do have a strict I don't treat friends or family rule um so we had a you know a big discussion about what would be entailed and you know what those boundaries were because also I'm living with her like I'm seeing every day her crying like three times a day not looking in the mirror Mm. constantly being upset about her skin choosing what she's wearing based on her skin waking up half an hour earlier to put makeup on before the gym like Mm. 
seeing how it really impacts her life I knew for me it would be an emotional roller coaster as her clinician too because you really do take on a lot of responsibility and over about nine months of treatment uh, we got really amazing results and the proof for me is in the pudding of being able to actually maintain those results and she's now two plus years post-treatment and is 100% maintain just with a little bit of topical support and knows what to use to manage her stress drivers and stuff like that so seeing that gave me the confidence to really realize okay all right I know how to do this (laughs) yeah yeah oh and that that whole psychological side of things is huge because I remember when I was struggling with mine and I remember reaching out to you and you just feel so depressed like I was exactly the same even now like when you wake up and you touch your face and there's no acne it's just like your sister would have felt too like just that game changer and yeah even things like you said choosing your clothes based on your skin like people don't even realize what a big deal that is until you have to live with that so that's incredible and seeing like you said like that sort of nine months understanding and your sister you know would have known as well this this is a journey because you probably Mm. would have said that again and again and be like this is not this is not a quick fix like I'm done with quick fixes this is a a long-term thing and that's yeah amazing so something like that for you was that um hormonal based was it gut based because you must have just been looking at a lot of root causes for yeah I do look at um you know obviously I'm still a naturopath so I'm still doing my naturopath job um I just look through a lot of different lenses now with skin and um have a lot more specialist knowledge I suppose around that area and topicals and stuff like that but that is what led to me creating the clear skin formula because there are a selection of things that I do look at and it gives us a process to follow which I think by the time people talk with me it's pretty rare that I'm the first person that's treating them and when I am it's amazing because we don't have you know all those issues with the pill or Accutane use or stuff like that so um, most of the time people that I'm chatting to have done everything they feel and there is a huge lack of trust because the beauty industry is so full of shit (laughs) so um, I find that having that process around my clear skin formula helps to be able to compartmentalize all those things I can educate my patient better Um, I know what I'm looking for and it allows the process to also have a structured time frame because I think a huge problem with skin issues is Uh, being able to comply with the treatment recommendations you need to know that there's an end point and that's what I think makes my process very different too is I am really only wanting to work with people for like a maximum of 12 months with regular consultations Um, so me being able to compartmentalize all the drivers makes it so much easier to be able to really understand how long treatment's going to take and understand the different complexities that they need to work on. Um, So the main drivers I look at like are all kind of categorized in my clear skin formula. So we look at hormones, including reproductive and stress hormones. Stress hormones are very, (laughs) very significant. Oh yes. Um, Hello. (laughs) Uh, Gut health, detoxification organs, um, you know, immune function as well, which is pretty significant with skin when it's really compromised and you're prone to infection Um, nutrition and lifestyle so we're looking at you know all those major things that we know affect the internal aspects of the skin and we also are obviously looking at the skin itself what skincare is being used um, what deficiencies may exist that are causing the skin to be problematic uh, what sorts of items are being used that might be degrading the skin barrier and stuff like that so um, treating all those people really helped me to yeah compartmentalize it 
feels less overwhelming and less abstract of a process. So it's really interesting, you know, because like obviously, or it doesn't sound like you were the one struggling with acne. It sounds like it was Mm. your sister, but isn't that interesting? Because you have, I mean, I don't know how many years apart you are, but you have similar upbringing, probably a similar lifestyle, similar food, similar genetics, unless you were like, like completely, completely, you know, black and white sheep. But I'm sort of guessing there's there's a lot of similarities there. Yet she was the one struggling with severe acne, and and it wasn't you. Like that's mm. that's and my brother as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't really had problem skin. Um, obvious. I mean, as we get older, it's easier for our skin to be a little bit problematic as the mm. nutrition and lifestyle changes. Um, so I'm more prone. I have dry skin, so I'm more prone to eczema. Um, and I got eczema for the first time, like. Uh, as an adult which is really abnormal yeah yeah, around the eyes so um I cleared that really quickly and um I don't I haven't had a flare with that since the last time I wore glitter on my eyes so it's nice to know it's just a contact irritant reaction um but yeah it's an interesting point because you know this happens with with a lot of families there'll be one person with problem skin but the interesting thing with me and my sister is I mean taking boys out of the equation because most of them experience mm. acne anyway like that's the process yeah. of testosterone and puberty yeah. um, and zinc deficiency but yeah. um, with women for example me and my sister I'm much taller than her I'm built quite differently um, I have more of an endomorphic body she's got yeah. more of a mesomorphic body yeah. she exercises a lot she's had you know a high stress job she's lived overseas and not had yeah. access to as much fruit and veg you know in the yeah. UK Um, So different factors that contribute to the issue, but I think the major predisposing thing is like we inherit our sebaceous glands. We inherit our skin type to a certain degree. And she always has had oilier skin since puberty and that wasn't a problem for me. So obviously our sebaceous gland size is different because I struggle with keeping my skin moist and she struggles with keeping it. Yes, yes. So um, there are some components that are just inherited that predispose you to it, even though you're related, um, we look different. Uh, Mm. And also, you know, I think the fact that she was on the pill for so long, you know, I I don't have that in my history. And it's really interesting as we get older to see the differences between us and our ovarian health and, um, yeah, draw some conclusions, I suppose, around Yeah, yeah, that's that's so fascinating because even if I think about me, and my brothers, and my younger brother, perfect skin, and then me, yes, as sort of I got to 17, 18, and all the stress sort of stuff kicked mm. in and whatnot, the acne kicked in, and my older brother also went through a reasonably serious sort of bout of acne as well. So it's it's interesting to go, oh, actually, and my dad, you know, yeah. has the more oilier skin, but my mum has the more dry skin. So I'd never really thought about that whole genetic side of things. So yeah. it, is eczema not passed on, but is it common to see that in parents and kids? Yeah, though I have to say um, I I would really see half and half with the child being the first to express eczema um, and the parent not having it but maybe having a sort of distant history like a a father or something that had it mildly when they were a child so I think that there's um some more environmental factors that are coming into play with more people expressing with eczema um especially 
you know, in the last two years, all the sanitization, a lot of us have just stripped our skin barrier away without knowing it. So um, when we're looking at like true eczema, uh, mm. where there are those internal drivers, then yes, there is the genetic predisposition always, you know, to that yeah. occurring. But if it's contact allergic dermatitis or something like that, or um, an irritant like contact dermatitis, then not necessarily genetic, yeah. um, but rather just your own sensitivity to that item being applied. So those, those like root drivers of eczema then um there's obviously like you said like true eczema in a sense rather than like you kind of identify dermatitis is is more of a contact thing so the true sort of drivers of eczema is that then all sort of internal hormonal gut stuff or what's the big drivers you see there dermatitis is just a fancy word for like irritation to the skin so a lot of eczema is classed as dermatitis or eczema yeah Um, there's not too much of a difference there but an eczema picture to me, like a true eczema picture is also yeah. someone with a little bit of sensitivities. They have very yeah. sensitive skin. Um, they have eczema basically as an infant or develop it before they're five right. years of age. And it progresses into like the classic eczema patches that you see on okay. the back of the knees. And yeah. the Some people will experience um, eczema or dermatitis just around the mouth or around yes. the eyes. Yes, I've seen that lots. Yeah, or the foot or the hand. Yeah. So there's lots of different sorts of eczema and sometimes where it appears can help us to understand what, what type of eczema it is. Um, for example, there's one called pomphilix, uh, okay. which is um, dishydrotic eczema. And this shows up as like uh, little fluid-filled blisters that then pop, become super itchy, flake off, and that whole process takes about three weeks. Yeah. So um, sometimes we see that occurring alongside like true eczema sometimes that is only occurring which usually happens on the hands and the feet and is like quite obvious once you see it so different sorts of eczema can be triggered by different things as well um and i think understanding and having the correct diagnosis is massively important um but as far as predisposing factors i mean yes the genetic tendency to develop eczema is there um there's a genetic tendency to allergy and things like that as well but we definitely know that the birth process has a huge amount to do with the microbiome and how it develops and a very common feature that I see in all the bubs that I treat with eczema is usually that there is antibiotic exposure in those first five days of life whether that be through um, induction and then an IV drip or if it's um, IV antibiotics sorry or if it's a cesarean birth Um, I also look for whether they've been breastfed, if they've had infections or issues where they've had to have antibiotics, you know, several times in that first year of life, which definitely changes the microbiome, Mm -hmm. changes the dominance of the bifidobacterium and things like that, uh, which then can influence immune function too and uh, really feed into creating that Th2 dominance in the immune system, which just keeps all that, you know, pro-inflammatory cycle um, firing so there's yeah definitely a genetic aspect to that yeah yeah um I do I personally think that eczema will be reclassified in my lifetime as an autoimmune disease I was um, just gonna ask about yeah. that because I'm thinking about psoriasis and how psoriasis because yeah. that's something that I struggle with presents as an autoimmune condition but I'm like I've never heard eczema classified as an autoimmune condition but it's got a lot of the similar things as influenced by mm. genetics by yeah. lifestyle by, by stress by diet by gut by microbiome so why yeah. is one is and one's not 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think there just isn't the right markers yet to be able to conclude that, but there is a lot of research that is, um, you know, pointing towards yeah. more funding to really figure that out because, you know, obviously it changes a lot around what we do with eczema management as well and what that looks like. Like I have autoimmunity of the thyroid, so it's quite different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my what I expect from my body and how I treat my body is different because I know I have autoimmunity. So yeah. um, I think, you know, being able to understand the beast really helps to be able to live with it um and I think some people with eczema can have a unrealistic idea of what long-term skin health looks like as well um eczema is not just something that you treat once you know if your drivers come back into play then boom your eczema is going to come back if you have deficiencies eczema is going to come back so it's not a curable condition which um to me means that yeah it's autoimmunity (laughs) yeah 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 so it's yeah, I'm trying to think it through. So you could have, let's say, eczema and not present with, you know, the dry, flaky, irritated skin. Like, does it, is it, is it like, I don't know how to say this, but is it like you can have eczema, but it's not present at the moment? Yeah, but as soon as your drivers, like, you get super, yeah. yeah, you get super stressed, it, you're prone to it coming back kind of thing. Yeah, it goes yeah, dormant's not the right word, but. Yeah, yeah okay. you're in the same spots too. So, like for example, you know, I've experienced eczema, um, yeah. but I don't put that on my medical history because yeah. I'm I'm confident it was a contact irritant dermatitis, yeah. in which case, you know, it's not that relevant. Um, but yeah, I would expect all my patients, even if their eczema has been cleared for three years, that they would still put right. eczema down on the medical history. <laughs> it's yeah. just managed. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's super interesting because then I feel like that differs I don't know like acne is similar but different in that sense as well because I yeah yeah, like come back yeah exactly like people go oh I've sort of you know had a bit of flare-up of acne or whatever and you kind of go okay well what's happened with your lifestyle your drives or your triggers or your hormones or something you tend to be more prone to it and I guess like you said like you know you're looking at your glands and oil production and all that stuff which is so much bigger picture as well Mm. yeah yeah definitely do you do, um, so with the eczema stuff, when you're looking sort of for some of those big triggers, dietary stuff, how does that play a role with eczema? Mm, well, um, <laughs> it is, you know, it depends on if there is already an obvious link with um, diet. What what my approach is in the clinic is, is pretty different than a lot of naturopaths, I think, um, because I'm not a major fan of food elimination or food restriction. Yeah. I think that uh, especially in an infant, you know, it can lead towards nutritional deficits that will cause much more major problems. Um, it can lead to fussy eating as well as they become toddlers. And, you know, the lack of variety in the diet can be really problematic as far as textures yeah stuff go to for them um and let alone the stress that puts on the mother who's probably also working and has another kid like to to focus on all of this I think that sometimes the connection between there definitely for some people is a clear connection between food and reactions with the skin and usually this is a a, an allergic reaction that should be diagnosed through a skin prick test which is what I encourage to be done if they if there is a you know a severity of a flare after food Um, And this can help to reveal if there's, you know, commonly like egg, nut or dairy allergy. Um, Often there's also dust mite allergy, which is not even really worth testing for with people with eczema because so many people have that allergy. Wow. Um, 
I think it's really important to, to ascertain if you do think food is related, to ascertain if there's an allergy. And this is usually pretty obvious, like the reaction will occur very soon after, after exposure. For example, yeah. that first um, toddler that I worked with with eczema, yeah. uh, we found she had a dairy allergy so severe that her once she had a flare that showed up like a handprint and um it was because the father had touched dairy and then touched her and wow. hand. so now we wow. know how severe that allergy is for her and it, it took a while to you know figure out exactly how restricted that item needed to be but that changes everything because obviously mm-hmm. if she had tiny bits of exposure like constantly should just always be in a flare and it would just be assumed she has eczema that won't go away. yes yeah identifying an allergy is massively important because it gives you the justification and, and validation to remove that item mm. um my approach with bubs is that we consume good food <laughs> we yeah. remove that are likely um, irritant. Sometimes I take into account uh, nickel content if I think that there's the potential for that dishydrotic eczema, which sometimes can be contributed to by nickel. Um, So I'll be taking into account, you know, histamines and lectins and all that kind of stuff Mm. when I'm making recommendations. But generally, I'm not advising them to remove items just for the hell of it. And, Mm. you know, even recently, had a consult yesterday with a bub that I've been treating whose skin's cleared up and she's consumed something that has both dairy and nuts in it and had a very mild reaction. So the mom's like, I'm just, we're going to cut out dairy altogether. And, you know, my advice around that is also when we remove these things, we can create more sensitivities, which can be more problematic later in life. So if there's not an allergy or a clear cut reaction occurring with dairy, then removing it may create dairy yeah of course Um, yeah i'm a very big fan of keeping the diet varied keeping exposure varied so that we're not creating these hypersensitive reactions for people in the long term as well and most importantly so that it's actually doable because you know food is just one element yeah and contribute and um i have to say like it's a lot of people are under the impression that you know food is the trigger and that's just not the case (laughs) yeah yeah for some people it's more significant and on uh, on the flip side then because they're thinking okay is there foods that trigger it is there nutritional deficiencies that you commonly see that you're going okay well maybe it's not so much of a a triggering food but maybe you're lacking in xyz i mean i am always assuming that the people i'm working with are consuming a clean diet um i don't work with people who don't correct their diet quickly because i don't have the time to wait for that you know to occur when it can be such a contributor to to everything to do with health so um I also when I say I don't you know encourage food restriction I I do if they're eating shit (laughs) (laughs) amen sister amen clean whole food yeah eat whatever you want don't freak out about the broccoli or the steak or whatever you know so um uh, I'm assuming that they're, they're eating well to start with. But, yes, deficiencies with, um, you know, with all skin and wound healing, we're looking most famously at zinc to see if there's deficiency, which um, can be problematic where there's been a prolonged infection of, on the skin or a prolonged wound on the skin, basically, because we require more zinc in order to be able to create some of the amino acids that we need to create the collagen production for wound healing. So sometimes the very fact that the skin has 
had an increased requirement for that mineral and maybe not received it in the amounts needed yeah. can create that deficiency too. Sometimes you can have the deficiency first and then we have issues with the skin developing right. from that. Um, can also occur from having, you know, longer term infections or infections that yeah. haven't cleared. Um, for example, one of the fastest patients I've ever treated, she had um, pretty cystic acne. She was on the pill, had been for five years, didn't want to come off, was breaking out constantly. Because yeah. it's a constant breakout, I look for a constant driver, which has to basically be um, yeah. something that's not fluctuating yeah. through the month. It can't yeah. be hormones, obviously. She's on the yeah. pill. So yeah, first thing I looked at was um, zinc and just ran a full blood count too to see yeah. if there were infections well it turns out she had glandular fever uh, yes <laughs> really zinc deficient yes the infection that had probably been there for a, a you know a week or so um yeah. so cleared up the deficiency her skin cleared up beautifully she requires you know no other support she takes some zinc because obviously the pill um does reduce our zinc levels too yeah. so she takes stuff to offset the nutrient depletions that the pill yeah. So sometimes it can be simple like that, which is really great. Um, the most significant thing, though, is definitely essential fatty acids. Um, mm. Essential fatty acids are deficient in most people's diet and wow. most people are not taking a supplement that even has enough actives to do something. So this is massively, massively significant in skin health because our corneocytes, well, our keratinocytes depend on free fatty acids to yeah. do their job. Um, and a depletion can occur within a week of not consuming it from a dietary source. So, yeah, can you get it through diet alone? Can you get enough through diet alone or when you're correcting a big deficiency? Not to correct and not where you yeah. have uh, a chronic skin issue. You do need yeah. to have much higher amounts for a short period of time just to be able to improve sebum quality and to change yeah. some of the inflammatory nature of the sebum too. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're talking like, sometimes 10 grams a day of omega yeah, wow. to be able to correct a true problem skin. But obviously yeah. that's not recommended in the long term only. Yeah. 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 So that's definitely, that's the biggest deficiency I see across the board, which is why very often in discovery calls I do with, um, with potential clients, my first bit of advice is take some fish oil for four to yeah. six weeks, take yeah. some powder or some zinc and yeah. let's see what you're there because people who don't have really severe skin issues often it is something pretty simple you know so yeah. I don't want to do the whole one-on-one -on -one process with them that's going to cost them a lot of money if yeah. they don't need that you know they yeah. probably just need fish oil and yeah. I've seen amazing changes just with fish oil and the right skin support with nutrients that's so incredible isn't it that it can just be one thing and I find it really hard because you see so much on you know all these beauticians and people on Instagram and they're always like just take zinc and take fish oil and stuff but a no one goes into the why and then they don't go into how much and then they don't dive into quality as well so I don't know it's if you so see annoying. it but I do see so many women taking like zinc but it's either poor quality or they don't mm. need it and then it's throwing mm. their copper completely out of balance and yeah. then Again, this host of other issues and it's so like I find it so frustrating I'm like ah like just yeah 100% because you know self-prescribing there's no accountability and like it's not that simple you know yeah. <laughs> sometimes it is sure but like, yeah. generally it's not that simple and people don't understand those components about zinc and things like that that's yeah. why um like I created my own products because I was so frustrated right. with the retail market and not being able to get something therapeutic to to people that needed it because there are a lot of regulations around retail product yeah. development and stuff like that 
that that I guess a lot of people don't understand. And I think um, with zinc, you know, it's easy to be way overdoing it with zinc and people yeah. don't understand it can contribute to anemia. It, it can completely cancel out your iron if you're taking it at the same time. Yeah. Um, you've got to have yeah. it with food. You shouldn't take it for a long period of time. You shouldn't have high doses for that long. You need to pulse dose. So yeah. all that information, like I found was difficult to convey to people that, you know, I wasn't treating face to face. So yeah. that's why with all my products, I, ha I have a product guide that mm. goes through all that information so they can get an idea as to whether they're actually showing signs of clinical mm. deficiency and, if they need to take higher doses, but I've chosen for that daily dose to just be uh, nice and solid for people who have problem skin. So it's yeah. 24 milligrams a day, which is a good amount for people who yeah. especially might be vegan and people who you know have those deficiencies or have medications or a medical history that is likely leading towards lower end zinc. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So do you want to talk briefly about what the clear skin formula is or who it's good for or sort of what's what's involved in it? If anyone listening is like, what is this clear skin formula that Emily's talking about? Because totally. I've got acne or eczema and I need that in my life. Totally. Well, the clear skin formula looks like this. This is my little in clinic version that I use. Um, it's also on my website, so you can read all about those drivers, but um, it is designed just to compartmentalize all the things I look at clinically um, so that education can be easier and understanding what's contributing to your skin problem can be easier so you can learn more about those factors. So um, here we have uh, hormones, gut, detox, skin, lifestyle, nutrition as all of our main categorical drivers um, but then we also have you know within those little collections or the little breakdowns of what we're actually looking at so um for so example, is it a is it one-on-one -on -one with you is it a group program what is it and how long does it go for how i how i how I operate right. so it's yeah. not a program um, yeah. or anything like that per se it's the basis of how yeah. my clinical process operates yeah. and also it's the basis of being able to provide more education around yeah. what your drivers are so yeah. it ties in with my my skin appraisal that people can do that yeah. is a quite comprehensive quiz that helps to give more information about the drivers as well um, in my one-on-one -on -one process we do use this a lot so we yeah. use this start of treatment after we've done yeah. testing and stuff like that to really understand what the biological yeah. drivers are um i then post with their first prescription their own clear skin formula copy that's got right. all the areas highlighted yeah. that are problematic and that way they can then go through all the additional content and resources that i have in relation to that and yeah. be really educated about those drivers as well yeah. so that way it it just makes the process run a bit better i find online as well and it allows yeah. me provide really good depth of education because you've got an awesome um on your website you've also got uh it's a webinar or something on acne there's one on yeah, acne. i've got a bunch of master classes yeah. which are, i usually run off you know run yeah. off the skin formula so i'm talking yeah. more about those drivers um but i do have the general just acne one yeah. and next one which covers a lot of just the general bases that i think people should know if they're struggling with those issues so i think that's definitely my my most valuable resource because yes. it's very long yeah. and comprehensive yes yes um and people can also book 
with you through your website. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. So I work 100% online. Everything can be done online. Um, but I do recommend if people are not 100% committed that they book a discovery call first because yeah. it's really important that um, we're on the same page. Yeah. Yes, awesome. And on Instagram, where can we find you? The acne and eczema clinic, one word. Awesome. Cool. Well, I will link all of that in the show notes, um, your website, the links to your Instagram, all that stuff that we've talked about as well. But thank you so much. Um, yeah, there's so much goodness in there. And I just think it's really important to hear it from someone who's qualified in that area. One, the stuff about zinc, two, the things about food, three, those root causes, the triggers, that stuff, because we bounce from post to post to podcast to podcast, Mm -hmm. trying to self-treat. And sometimes you've got to go just throw away all that free advice and just go see someone or actually see an expert in that field rather than, you know, as much as I love beauticians and therapists and stuff, there is that underlying stuff. And I do think it's really important for people to get to the root cause of that and go, hey, I've got eczema. This is actually serious. And like you said, it might be a lifelong thing of management and that's okay, but you've just got to learn to accept that and have someone to work through that process with you. Totally. I think having a clear understanding of what's driving the issue and a clear understanding of what's required to clear it and maintain Mm. it is the first step in being able to make those really, really important decisions around what your health trajectory is. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. All right. I will pop all that stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on here today and having a chat with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.